Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Omar. I get to be the lead pastor here, and uh, I know some of you are new here. Welcome to Grace Church. Good morning. I, you know, I thought it was appropriate for us to take a moment in our service to just pause and reflect on what tomorrow means. You know, many of us will have the day off tomorrow from work or school, and I sense that sometimes there's some holidays in our, in our calendar, like Veterans Day and Memorial Day, and MLK Junior Day, that sometimes uh, kind of doesn't get the proper respect that it deserves in our history. And, uh, and so I wanted to take a moment to pause and, 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 and reflect on uh, the life and the legacy of Dr. King and what he stood for and the many people like him that came to, to sacrifice their freedom and their life to fight injustice to stand with the marginalized and to, to seek unity. Uh, I think that's important for us as a church community to stand with them. And, uh, and that's what this moment's about. So tomorrow, take time to reflect and to pray and to ask the Lord, say, God, we are still your people here that should shine a light on the issue of unity and racial reconciliation. I believe that God has called us to this, and so we need to continue to fight the good fight. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, also, uh, we are in our third week of the, of the new year. Isn't that crazy? I mean, to think that we're already flying by this. Now, we're also uh, on week two of our fast. And you heard Christy mention that, that our church here, uh, every year at the beginning of the year, we take time, we take 21 days to seek uh, a time to pray and fast for the new year, and I'm just so thankful that there's so many of you have taken part of this and you've joined this. It's exciting. I feel like every year we just build momentum and we get more and more people that are part of this. And so, so way to go if you are, you know, diving in. And maybe you're new here. Maybe you've been coming for the last couple of weeks. And I'm telling you, you got one more week. All right, we got one more week to go. You could do this. Now, for some of you, you know, maybe you've hit a point of weakness already. Maybe for some of you, this last two weeks, this is something new to you, it's a new thing, and, and maybe you just caved in a bit. And maybe you, you, you grabbed something that you said that you weren't gonna do, and, and, and you kind of indulged a little bit, and now you're kind of feeling guilty, and you're just like, oh, well, what do I do? I wanna tell you, just get back on. Just, just jump back in. There is grace for you, okay? There's grace for you, and you can just come in and start. And I'm telling you that if you could just get back in, in this season of our church, as we're taking time to pray and fast, that I believe that God can do more in the seven days than we can do in seven lifetimes. I really believe that. I believe God's already stirring things up. It's amazing. I've been talking to some of you guys, and I'm already hearing amazing stories about just some breakthroughs, things that you've been struggling through, but yet God has given you the grace, and he's given you direction, he's given you guidance in the last couple of weeks. But I also know that there's some of you, you're still waiting. Some of you, there, there's been some, some changes and maybe it's not happening quick enough for you. Can I just settle your heart down and tell you that God knows what's happening? Sometimes, you know, we get discouraged because we feel like we're just taking a baby step forward. But let me tell you this, that one step, baby step forward is still the good step in the right direction. You know, actually, God says this to encourage his people when we make these changes and when we make these steps, whether they're large leaps or tiny steps. He says this in, in, his, in his word in Zechariah 4.10. It says this, do not despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices when the work begins. And I think the Lord's doing a good work in our church. So don't get discouraged. Jump in. Be, be with a heart that is, that is anticipating the next move from God because I believe God has the best in store for us. Amen? Amen. 
Amen. Well, today's passage, this morning's passage, is all going to be focused on, on one verse in the Bible. It actually comes from Jesus' uh, famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Anybody heard of that before? It, 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 if you want to read through it all, it's in Matthew chapter 5 through 7, and it, it's, 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 it's a great one. It's a great one to study. There are so many great things through there, but this morning I want to just, as we're in this time of fasting, I thought it was appropriate that we, that we kind of just park and we just sit on, on the meaning of this verse. It's actually Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. It's part of the section of his sermon that's called the Beatitudes, the blessed are those. Sound familiar? So verse 6, this is the fourth one, he's saying blessed are those, and he says this, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. Now, sometimes when I study the Bible, I like to go through different translations and because uh, and, and it brings a little bit more meaning to me at times as, as I'm studying scripture. And so this morning, I want to give you another translation. Uh, it's actually called the message transliteration. So it's a translation off of a translation. Okay. Um, and, uh, and, and I love the way it puts it because it, it just gives it a whole uh, different meaning this morning. Um, so it says this, it says in the message version, it says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal that you'll ever eat. I just love the way that, 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 that phrases this. You're blessed when you worked up a good appetite for God. Now in this verse, it's so important that we see that, that there's a promise tied into it. The promise is this, is that when we hunger and thirst for God, God will respond by filling us up. He'll respond to that. And, and so this morning's message, sometimes when we read passages like this or, or we read these Beatitudes, they seem so abstract at times. Like we get it. We, we understand it to a certain point where we're like, yes and amen. I like that. That sounds good. But really, if I was to, to pull you aside and say, hey, what does that mean to you? And, and what do you think that that really means in your life practically? I think at times when we see scriptures like that, we struggle a bit. What does it really mean to hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does that really mean? Because I think that that's hopefully why you're here is to learn and say, how do I apply the word into my life every day in my life? And, and, and so I want to help you out with that. And also, what does that look like in my life? What does that look like? Now, when we see Jesus and how he taught, I, I love his method. See, what Jesus did, he was very intentional about the words that he used. Very intentional about how he preached and, 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 the, and, the, and the symbolism and the, and the illustrations that he used. Jesus was so good. He was the master of this. That he would take an earthly thing, something that we all could relate to, all connect to, and yet he would always tie that into a spiritual truth when he talked about kingdom principles and, and, and deeper things. And he could always take the practical and make it spiritual. I love that about Jesus. And so what Jesus does in this case is that he takes this thing that we can all relate to, and what is that? Our physical need for food and water. Our physical hunger and, and thirst that we have, that we're built with. And he took that, and he connected it to our spiritual need to want to connect with our Heavenly Father. Uh, it, it's amazing how Jesus was really trying to turn things. And, and let me tell you, his people, this original audience that he gave this sermon to, they're a lot like us. They had a lot of the same concerns that we do. Sometimes we, we read through the Bible and we just think of about these biblical characters, but I want to tell you, they were flesh and blood. They were just like us. They had the same concerns over their families, what we should eat, what we should wear, how are we going to pay our bills, how are we going to survive next month. I mean, these people had the same concerns as many of us have. And so when Jesus used this phrase, when he used this word, hunger, 
and thirst. I'm telling you, for some people, it startled them because they never seen hunger and thirst in a positive light. Just like us, when we hear the word hunger, we, we, we avoid hunger, don't we? We don't want anything to do with that. We understand that, that our, our bodies need food. And so you could imagine that they kind of flipped the script on these people when Jesus is teaching them that you ought to hunger and thirst for righteousness, that there's a promise attached to it. So this morning, I want to help us out a bit and say, okay, what is this? Because Jesus, he changes the definition here. He says, he says yeah, you understand hunger, but I want to show you hunger in a way that it's a gift. How many you know that hunger is a gift? I know that's hard for some of us to understand, so, so the, the, God's going to help us out with that. But hunger is a gift. How is hunger a gift? How can we take what we've been experiencing the last couple of weeks as we've as we, uh, been fasting to take that hunger that we're experiencing but to actually see it through a spiritual lens? To actually see it and say, okay, God, how, how do I use this? How is this a gift for me in my life? Because I think that's what God is doing. So how's, how's hunger a gift? Well, number one is hunger helps us recognize our greatest need. I mean, don't you realize that? When we're hungry, man, all of a sudden our mind and our thoughts get narrow, all we want to do. Some of you get hangry when you don't get something in your mouth after a couple hours, right? It narrows down our focus. Like, we all of a sudden realize what we need the most. I don't need you talking to me. I need some food. I've heard that before. Also, this is hungry, or hunger also brings greater sensitivity and awareness. It's true. Remember, Jesus' method is that he takes, he always points to the natural to speak about the spiritual. Now, if you've ever fasted any type of food, if you ever, if you, some of you are in a food fast, and, and so you understand what I'm gonna talk about, there's always that moment where hunger kicks in. Right? You might be going really well for a little bit, but then when hunger shows up, when you start getting that appetite, getting that craving, stomach starts growling, I mean, that's a whole nother level of hunger. And What's amazing to me about how this works is that all of a sudden our senses heighten, don't they? When we're hungry, all of a sudden everything just elevates. You become more aware of things that you weren't aware of before. I actually experienced this a lot this week. And one of the things that I'm, that I'm fasting is bread, which is really, really hard for me. Like really hard for me. Like, like I didn't realize how hard that would be. And um, and so this last couple of days this week, I had to go into Fred Meyer. And let me tell you, as soon as I stepped in Fred Meyer, I smelled the bakery. Like, like I smelled every piece of bread, every cake, everything was just caught. And I had to like avoid going to the right because that's where the bakery was. And I could just smell it. And I was craving it. And I was seeing it all. And I was noticing it all. And I must have walked through Fred Meyer's hundreds of times in my life. But right now, man, I'm so aware. I, 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 I'm seeing it everywhere. As I walk in. But I wonder, how does this work spiritually? Does it? I wonder how many times I go through life and I ignore the things that God is wanting to do around me or doing in, wants to do in me, but I'm not hungry enough to be aware of what he's doing. I'm not looking for it. I'm not hungry enough spiritually to get the direction from God through his word, through his guidance, and through his peace. I'm too full of other things that just, that just come and consume my time and my thoughts and my affections. I, I may be putting stuff in my life, and that's what this fast really helps us do is start to, to unpack some of those things, try to release some of those things that fills our time, time wasters. You know what I'm talking about. And I'm realizing that I've just filled up my time, and maybe they might fill me for a moment, but they're not gonna satisfy my soul. 
And so I go through this where I don't have that spiritual hunger like I once had. I don't want to do the hard work of letting the Lord, through his word, build my character. I avoid that, so it's easy for me to get distracted. That's what happens when we lose hunger. It's interesting how hunger could also be triggered by just talking about good food. You ever been there? You ever had a, a conversation with a coworker or a family member and they're telling you about something really good or they're telling you about a recipe and all of a sudden, man, you just start craving whatever they're talking about. You know, one of the things about me is when the Food Network is on at my house, man, I get hungry instantly. Like, I'm like looking in the cabinets. I'm trying to figure out how to make this recipe because I get, I, I, I get, a, I was like, man, I want that. I, I get hungry. People talk about these things. It, it, it does something. I start thinking, man, when was the last time I ate? What do you want to do for lunch? You know, I suddenly get hungry when I watch it. Uh, let's test this out a little bit. I want to show you a picture. Look at that, man. For somebody who's fasting bread, man, that is glorious right there, right? And all the cheese all melted. I mean, mm, mm, mm. Okay, next one. Chocolate cake, some of you sweet toothers, right? Layers of chocolate cake. I mean, that just sounds so, so good with a big glass of milk. I mean, that, that's awesome. And this is my weakness all the time, anytime. Street tacos, right? Street tacos. Like, that, that gets me, man. I hope the Lord doesn't call me to fast tacos, man. I'd be in bad shape, bad shape. And you guys heard me that talking about some of the things that I, I've been craving and cannot have, but I have a date with this right here. This is, uh, this is my Sunday right here. This is my screensaver right now because I'm just like waiting for seven more days to have a date with that glorious thing there. Because it does that. It, it, it just gets you. When you see food, when you hear, when you talk about good food, it, it creates a craving, creates an appetite. Uh, I want anybody here, uh, you fa- you're fasting fast food right now? You're fasting any fast food? Who's doing? Raise your hand real high. All right? Yeah? Okay, I'm going to hook you up, man. Here you go. Here's a gift card, right? You got to hold on to that for seven days, though. Seven days, but I got you. Seven days. You Endless fries, bro. Endless fries. Okay. But that gets us hungry, so when we talk about it, so how does that work in the spiritual? Because remember, the natural speaks of the spiritual. So when we hear about God's word, when we hear it being preached, when we hear testimonies from other people, that should stir up a craving in you, shouldn't it? And that's something when you want to know if you're hungry, then you got to know that when you're around people and they're talking about the goodness of God, it should, it should make your mouth water in the spirit, right? You should be like, man, I want to hear more. I, wanna, I, want, I want that for my life. It's got to be that attractive, that, that, that way, the way that we pursue these things, how easy it was to look at this food and go, man, I want some of that. You should feel that way when you hear your brothers and sisters talking about the goodness and praising and worshiping like we have been doing, that you should want to dive in. You should feel hungry for wanting to have that in your life and to crave more of God's goodness. You know, we, we, we call this fast Revival 21. That was like what God put on our hearts. Why? Because another word for revival is renewal. And my heart is that, is that during this time that everyone who participates in this, everybody who, who takes and disciplines themselves for this season, that they all will get a spiritual renewal. But what's amazing is that when a group of people decide to do this corporately, that there's something that starts to get stirred up because as they get renewed in their spirit, then that's where the spirit of revival happens. Do you know that all the moves of God come from people that are hungry for more of God? And that's my hope and my prayer. That's kind of, you know, what I planned is, is that we would get that way. We would stir that up in our church so that we would experience true spirit-filled revival. 
But did you know that spiritual hunger is connected to revival? Not just in theory, but actually in scripture. There's a, there's a connection there. If you wanna see revival, many of us have been praying for this, but we've not jumped into this because we've not understood this. But in the scripture, it tells us, because anytime God brings revival into a region, an awakening, a renewal to a group of people, it always came from a few people that were just hungry for more of God. So this morning, I wanna give you uh, just a little brief little passage of scripture here. It's, it's a scripture like last week that I think that sometimes we're so familiar with it that it's kind of, our understanding can kind of get out of context a bit. It's the scripture of Jeremiah 29, 11. You know that one? You have the plans. I mean, we love that one, don't we? Right? But what we might not understand and might not know because we just hear that verse is that that's the verse. That's a message that's within the message. Like that's part of a greater message that God is trying to give his people. Jeremiah 29, 11 is actually embedded into a grand message from God to his people that are in exile living in Babylon. And they're longing to go back home. They're longing to go back to Jerusalem. They're longing for God to set them free and to get back to the place where they ought to be. And so they're crying out to God and God is trying to use the prophet to turn their hearts back to him. Some of them got hard-hearted because they've been defeated spiritually. I mean, you know that if you stay in the state of being defeated spiritually, it's harder to get out of that. You need breakthrough. You start to feel like that's part of your identity, but that's not God's plan for you. So God sends this prophet Jeremiah to encourage the people. He wanted them to know that he has not forgotten about them, that he still has a plan for them to rebuild them and to restore them back to the nation that they know they were called to be. God's plan for their freedom was both physically and spiritually. And that's what this verse is all about is for them to find this spiritual breakthrough by an awakening that God was trying to make happen even in the city of Babylon. How many of you know that God can renew your spirit when you're still in the waiting? How many of you know that God still has the power to move in your life and transform your life even when you feel like you haven't got to the place you wanna be? And that's what God was trying to say. He, says, he goes, I can still renew you, I can still heal you, I can do amazing work in you even when you're living in Babylon. That's what he was trying to teach them. That's what he was calling them to. He was asked, he, he was, his plan was still intact. God made a promise of redemption and restoration for this nation. Now he also prepared them through this big message from Jeremiah was that when they come back, it's not gonna, because he said, they, you will come back. But it's not gonna be the same Jerusalem that you remember. It's gonna be torn down. It's gonna be, it's gonna, it's gonna, the walls will be broken and it's gonna have some, some, it's not gonna be what you thought. You're gonna go and there's gonna be a lot of work to do. But don't get discouraged because I have a plan. I have a purpose and I got a future for you. Some of us, we feel breakthrough. We feel like God has broken those chains and we feel freedom, but, but we're looking at life sometimes and we're saying, man, there's still a lot of work to do. And you might feel discouraged. You know, that's what I love about the ministry of divorce care because some of you, if you've ever walked through divorce, you know that sometimes that's how it feels, walking into the situation where you feel free, you feel like God's doing the work, you're getting healed, but you still got a lot of repairing to do. And so that's what Jeremiah 29 11 is, is that it's in its essence is God saying, for I know I have the plans for you, declare the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. And I hope that somebody receives that right now from the Lord to tell you that where you're at, he knows where you're at and he's got a plan and a purpose for you. That's, that's the context. 
But many of us, we stop right there. We don't pick up the next part, which is more important. Because he says this, he says, then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I don't know about you, but that sounds like hunger to me. And then he gives us a promise. He says this, he says, and then I will be found by you, declares the Lord. What does that say to us? It says this about God's nature, about God's desire, is that when he wanted to restore his people, you know the first thing he wanted to restore in them was their hunger for him. God's plan is always about relationship first. So many times we we make it about so many other things. We ask God for so many other things when God's desire for you, God's will for you is relationship first. It's amazing that God gives them promises. When you call, I will answer. When you seek, you will find. I mean, mean, what a great thing that we have access to the king of kings, that we have access to God. God's plan has always been about relationship first. God's plan has always been about relationship first. We were built for a relationship with God. Every single human being was built by him for him. We, we all have this, and you might have heard it described as everybody has this God-shaped hole. Have you heard that term? Well, I like to change that for the sake of this sermon and say that everybody's born with a hunger for God. They might not understand it. They might try to, to reach out and do crazy things to try to fill that void, but they know deep inside that this isn't it. This isn't what I've been waiting for. This isn't what I, what I long for. This isn't what I desire because everyone was made by him, for him. And so we all carry this hunger inside of us. And let me tell you, Christian, if you know God's goodness, man, that hunger should be cultivated in you. You've tasted and seen that God is good. And so for you, you should build off of that hunger to know I have that hunger. It doesn't stop. It continues because God's goodness is always full. God's goodness is always more than what I could imagine. He's so good. Who has a testimony talks talks about the goodness of God. So how, how do we do this? How do we cultivate this in our lives? How do we stay hungry and be satisfied? That's really what what, what we struggle with. How do we do this? And I love by seeing an example in the Word of God. We want to know what God's like. We see the life of Jesus and how he treated people. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke chapter 19. Here in the book of Luke, it describes a person who knew that life was more than what they knew and what they're experiencing, and they had a whole lot of things. Yet they risked everything to get closer to Jesus. Luke chapter 19, we're we're introduced to a man named Zacchaeus, and what we learned about Zacchaeus right off the bat is that this man was a chief tax collector, a chief tax collector in the city of Jericho. What does that mean? That means that he was a pretty big deal. Wasn't just a minion down below, but he had people working for him. He had status, and it says that he had great wealth. But the, the thing about a tax collector is they didn't accumulate their wealth for being good and being honest. They were corrupt shysty, shady. They weren't good guys. They were looked in society as the lowest of the low because they were looked at as traitors because they were oppressing the people on behalf of the Roman government. Yet it says that this guy was, was interested in Jesus, that he heard that Jesus was coming into town. And I don't know, I mean, the Bible doesn't describe what he was thinking, but, but I'm wondering, did he hear stories about Jesus' miracles? Did he hear stories that that there was a tax collector just like him that Jesus brought into his inner circle and made Matthew a disciple? Did he 
hear stories that Jesus was being criticized by the religious elite that said that he couldn't socialize with people that were looked at as the worst of sinners. And maybe he thought, if I'm around this rabbi, maybe he might have some hope for me. Whatever it was, it piqued or wet his appetite for something more than what he had, what he longed for deep inside. That's where the story begins. He says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a good look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Brother, I feel your pain. That's why, that's why I sit in the front. So he ran, climbed ahead, or ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass by. Then Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, he said, come quickly. I must be a guest at your home. Again, you gotta remember, this is at the height of Jesus' popularity. It says that everywhere Jesus went, there would be crowds of people, hundreds and thousands of people. At the very least, there was hundreds of people pressing into Jesus. Jesus is walking by and there's only one person that makes him stop. The person desperate enough to be hungry enough to try to get as close to Jesus as they could. That's what it tells me. How many of you know that our hunger stops heaven? Our hunger, heaven takes notice of our hunger and our desire. It says that that, that when he saw an obstacle, it wasn't enough for him to see Jesus from afar, but he had to get near, so he climbed a tree. Can you imagine a grown man climbing a tree? I mean, that's weird today. It was really weird back then, right? (laughs) Especially a guy at his status, a guy that that, that had that much clout, and yet he he subjected himself to embarrassment because he's like, I got to get close to this man. I gotta see him for myself. I can't live off other people's stories, but I'm hungry that I just want my own story. That's what hunger does, right? That's what hunger does. Makes you do things you wouldn't normally do because you're desperate to get a taste. That's what hunger does. And the Bible says that Jesus stopped for him, looked at him, called him by name, and gave this man his undivided attention. Why? Why would Jesus give this man his undivided attention? Like I said, it wasn't because he was good. It wasn't because he was helping the poor. He actually took advantage of the poor. It wasn't because he was an honest, good businessman that just knew how to keep his stuff together. No, he was a mess. He was far from the ways of God. You know why? Because he was hungry. I think sometimes when we think about getting close to God, I think we think that God is going to only visit the people, make an encounter with people who have their life all put together. Just right. Just perfect. And it's in that time. You ever have somebody show up at your house and it's kind of a mess? Or really a mess? And they just show up at your house and you're just kind of like by the door. You don't want to let them in, right? You're just like, hey, how you doing? You know, talking to them like this. And you're, you know, you're looking at your kids like, hurry up. You know, I only got a couple minutes here. Am I the only one that goes through that? <laughs> they don't want people to see our mess. But really, that's, that's life behind us, right? That's stuff, that's, that's real life. Wow. A lot of times people come in our house is clean, which is great. But that's not real life wow. all the time. Some, some of us are thinking, man, Jesus doesn't need to see the real mess in my life. But what I love about Zacchaeus is he didn't let that get in the way. He, he was in the middle of his mess. He was in the middle of his ways. He was in the middle of doing wrong. He was in the middle of all that. But yet he's had this deep down desire in his heart to say that he had a hunger for God to go and reach out to God no matter what happened. No matter who said anything. He's like, I'm desperate for more of him. That's what hunger does. 
That's what hunger does. And that's what we learn about him is that he had humility. Hunger brings humility into your heart. Here's the thing. I've heard some people come and other church experiences with me or or other places and and, and there's some people that are so-called mature Christians and they'll come to me sometimes or they'll make a comment about churches that they leave and stuff and they, you know, they say, you know, I I wasn't fed. I I left there because I just didn't feel like I was being fed. Now that's code word for a lot of things, let me tell you. (laughs) I know what they're trying to say. And, uh, and I kind of think when they're talking to me, I was like, yeah, you know what? I think that if you only ate once a week, you definitely would feel malnourished. And I said, but maybe it's not that you're not being fed, but maybe you're just not hungry. Because I believe that every, every day, every Sunday, we're preaching on the word of God. We're bringing the word of God out. We're preaching, proclaiming, and teaching. And I think that the word of God is what satisfies our souls. That we will be fed, but you gotta be hungry. And, you know, uh, I'm a shepherd, not a fork, right? My job as a shepherd is to protect, to teach, to give you sound doctrine so you know false teaching from, from, from good teaching. I mean, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna shoot down the wolves that try to come into your life. I get that. That's part of my job. But when I come here every morning, I, what I try to do, or every Sunday, is I try to get a revelation and share that with you, what God shared with me with that word but it's not meant to sustain you for the whole week. It's meant to whet your appetite so that you could go to the source throughout the week. It's supposed to make you feel like, man, that was good stuff. I need to get into God's word. My hope is that you get an appetite for God's word the more you show up, the more you hear. See, a shepherd, it could lead the sheep to a pasture, but it can't make them eat. What makes the sheep eat? Their hunger. Their hunger. Maybe many of us aren't experiencing what we know we're called to or the things in our hearts that we desire and and the things of God is stirring up because we're just not feeling hungry like we used to. And so if we're honest this morning, maybe some of us if we really took time to really pause and think, we're wondering, what happened? I used to be hungry every week, all the time. Now getting in your words, spending time with him, it's a struggle. I mean, it's amazing to me that, that this man climbed a tree. He climbed a tree. He was so desperate. He was so hungry that he climbed a tree. When was the last time you climbed a tree? Now, I'm talking personally, not literally, okay? <laughs> what was that obstacle that was in your way that you said, like, I'm gonna push through that? Maybe God's never gonna require you to climb a tree, but he might ask you to lose an hour of sleep. He might ask you to cut out some things. You know, that's climbing a tree, making the effort. Say, God, you're so important. God, I wanna just be more closer to you. God, my desire is to have more of you. And, and, And I'm telling you, what the scripture says is that when you hunger and thirst this way, he promises that he would fill us. Wouldn't it be that we would never be hungry again and thirsty again? Because it's like you, you can't just have one meal and be done, right? You're gonna be hungry every day, right? You gotta eat every day. You gotta drink water every day for your nourishment, for your strength to to build yourself up. We understand that in the physical, but sometimes in the spiritual, we just neglect that part of us that needs to be fed every day. He says, you'll be hungry every day. You'll be thirsty every day, but guess what? You come to me and I will sustain you. I will fill you, but you gotta keep that hunger. You gotta desire me.
me in such a way where you're just going to pursue me. Now, I know that there might be some of us, as a, like I said, we're, we're lacking that part of, in our lives. We're, we're just like, man, I don't feel hungry anymore. Pastor, I, I'm not, I don't feel that hunger. But I want to. I want to help you out. Here's the thing. In the physical, when we want to build an appetite, when we want to be hungry, what do we do? We abstain for food, right? I do this every time I know I'm going to have a really good dinner. I skip two meals because I want to prepare myself because when you're hungry, the food tastes a lot better, right? But it doesn't work that way in the spiritual. No. In the spiritual, if you want to get hungry, you eat more. I don't know how that works. It's just the way this kingdom works. It's just the way God designed it, that in the spirit, if you want to be hungry, you need to eat more. And the more you eat, the hungrier you get because you start tasting God and and the goodness of God and you start experiencing him. And I know, here's the thing that I got to tell you guys, it will be discipline before it becomes delight. It will. It's going to require some discipline. Here's the way I, I, when I get into the word of God every day, I'm just trying to get into the word of God. And and, and there's going to be some days where it's like, fresh power revelation, man. I'm reading it. I'm like, oh my goodness, you're blowing my mind. This is so good. And then there's most days where I'm just getting through. I'm just receiving it. I'm listening. I'm reading and I'm just getting through it. And the way I look at it emotionally for myself, has you ever been to Wild Ways where they have that kid lagoon place, right? And there's that big bucket that just gets water dripped down. And eventually that water just starts to accumulate until it overflows and splashes all the kids. I think that's how I feel reading the Bible emotionally. Every day, most days, it's just adding some things. It's just adding some things. And eventually, yeah, I'll have that overflow. I'll have that splash. But most of the time, I'm just, I'm just accumulating. That's how it feels emotionally. But let me tell you, you have to understand that the Word of God is living and active. It's spiritual. And so every time you engage with the Word of God, there's deposited in you. You may not feel it at the time, but it's happening. Every time you get in God's Word, it's just continuing to deposit, to deposit, to deposit. And all of a sudden, you'll have moments of overflow, and those are great. Hallelujah. Amen. But you know what happens to me is usually weeks later or months later, I'm in a conversation with somebody and all of a sudden a scripture comes to memory and it's the right scripture at the right time because I stored it up in me. And that's what God wants to do. That's why you keep stay hungry. So how do we stay hungry? How do we stay thirsty? How do we continue to have that hunger for God? Well, let me tell you the way it works because it's relational, it works a lot like love. And when Misty and I were dating, the more time I spent with her, the more I wanted to be with her. And when I was away from her, I couldn't wait and I counted down the days until I was with her. Because in love is this, is when you spend more time with the person you love, you grow more in love with them and you wanna spend more time with them. And that's what God is trying to stir up in you. If you wanna be hungry for God, start eating more, start feasting on his words, start feasting on that time with him. And I'm telling you, you'll start to grow a bigger heart for the things of God. You'll have a hunger in you like never before. And that's been my prayer for our church is that we go into this year with a greater hunger for him. If you can stand to your feet, let's stand. We're gonna close. Again, there's no judgment or condemnation of where you're at today. Full, 100% freedom in this room. So I just want to take a moment here to respond to this word at whatever level it spoke to you. 
If you feel like, hey man, I've, I've just not gotten that hunger, then I believe God's gonna give you a plan. He's gonna give you a word this morning as we pray, as we close out together. And I think for others, man, you're in the middle of this fast. There's a lot of things happening and you just wanna respond to God. You wanna speak to God. You wanna have that moment. I'm gonna give you that. But for all of us together collectively, I'm gonna just pray that God will cover us and that he would lead us because I believe that God's got a lot of things he's trying to do and bring through but we gotta stay hungry. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for, God, the revelation of your word that's bringing healing, bringing encouragement, God, even challenge, God. We, we accept it all, God. And Lord, I pray, God, that whatever level, God, that speaks to our hearts today, God, whatever area, God, that you're leading us towards that might make us feel uncomfortable, might make it feel like, Lord, it's gonna be hard, but I love what we've been saying, God, is that when we do this, God, it's not a loss, it's a gain. You're doing something greater. You're expanding our capacity. You're moving us to places we've never been. And God, that might be scary for us, God, but Lord, we're trusting you and we're saying yes and amen to you. So whatever that is, to say yes and amen to him, just acknowledge it, receive it, and move forward. God, I also pray, God, for many of us who are partaking in this fast, help us to finish well. Help us to, the next seven days, God, to, to just press in like never before, to make lifelong commitments, God, on the things that you've been speaking to our hearts for years on. Help us to be encouragers, help us to share, help us to make other people's crave your goodness. We love you, God. We thank you for this amazing moment. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, don't forget to sign up for a growth group. If We've been talking about them all month. I think there's definitely one for each one of us. So God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you next week.